know? No, I'm just kidding. But I want to talk uh, today about, actually I want to start off with a joke. Um, I've been to a lot of different cultures, like there's the Balkans and you have a lot of ethnicities, so there's a lot of differences there. But I've gone to Russian churches, Spanish churches, we, they call this American church because we speak English here. And if you guys know the answer to this, don't shout it out, but I've noticed there's three things that are the same words in each language in, in the whole universe, in the whole world. First one is amen, and this resonates in all of our churches, amen, right? Then there's hallelujah. What do you guys think the third one is? Coca-Cola. Yeah. Very spiritual, right? Amen. Um, but we all come, just to, to note that we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different experiences, different things happening in our lives, but we all come to the foot of the cross. Amen? And that's what changes the destiny of, in the course of our lives. And so today I want to just focus on a message that will encourage us in every area of our lives, whether we're young, whether we're old, whether we're, we're middle-aged, whatever we're, walk we are in in life, if we have kids, if we're single. And the title of my message is Choosing Faith Over Fear. Because I'm a, this has been a, a belief in mine since I was a teenager that all of us are called by God to live victoriously. You know, we all have dreams, we all have a call, we all have a difference inside of us that we can make for God's kingdom, that can make a lasting legacy on people's lives. But I've noticed that, and even my, myself included, we will cower in fear and never walk in the fullness of that victory that God has called us to, right? And, and to start that discussion, I believe assessing how we are in our lives, whether it's in our relationships or our money, our daily decisions, where we're walking in faith in a practical way, and where we're walking in fear, when we assess that, we can kind of chart the course to adjust, to realign, to keep on the same, the same road when we look at it from the, that perspective. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Miles Monroe. He's the late Miles Monroe now, but he was a pastor in the Bahamas, and I was inspired by an interview he had in Africa on TV, and the, the, inter, the person doing the interview asks him, Dr. Miles Monroe, please leave one final statement to the audience that will be a lasting impression for them. And Dr. Miles Monroe, he says, rob the graveyard of your life today. He says, what do you mean rob the graveyard? Miles Monroe says, the graveyard is the richest place on earth. And the gentleman says, why is that the richest place on earth? That's where bodies decompose. That's where people who go off uh, to heaven or to hell, they, they're buried there. What, what's so wa- valuable in the graveyard? And Miles Monroe says, all of us need to rob the graveyard of our lives today because there in the graveyard are people's dreams witty inventions, comedians, scientific breakthroughs, cancer breakthroughs, people who had that God dream, that God call in their lives, they took it to their grave because through their whole lives, they cowered in this cage called fear and never walked out in that victory. So I want to propose to you to decide today, because it's never too late to decide, to rob the graveyard of your life this morning. Um, in the, the context that I want to uh, put this in is uh, in Numbers 13, verse 26 to 33. You know the story of the people of Israel. Um, the story of the people of Israel was about God's faithfulness. But they were at a point in this time where they had gotten out of slavery in Egypt and they were right before entering the promised land. And we know God's promises are yes and amen to his children. They are good. They're a land flowing with milk and honey, victoriously living in every walk of our lives. And this is after the the spies uh, surveyed the land, looked at the promise, they saw it with their own eyes, and they brought back the report. So Numbers 13, verse 26 to 33. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. 
There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here it's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. And we go into um, verse 30. Verse 29 names the various people, but verse 30, we notice a difference of a spirit of faith in the same report. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. And verse 31 follows a negative report of the same situation. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All of the people we saw there are of great size. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. One thing I want to point out here is those people, the adversaries, never told the Israelite spies that, hey, you're small to us. This was something that came out of the very mouths of the, the spies that gave the negative report. So I want to challenge ourselves when we look at our situations, whatever we're going through, to look at it in a positive way, including the God factor to our situation. What does that look like? Numbers 14, verse, nine, uh, verse 8 and 9, Caleb acknowledged the physical situation, what they were going up against, right? There's, we live in a physical world, right? So there is those physical circumstances, those things that we're, we're facing. But Caleb acknowledged God's strength, the God factor to the situation. He says, and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So my question for you is, what report, what version of the report are you going to believe in? My father was diagnosed with prostate cancer 12 years ago. He went to the doctor with my mom, and, you know, the doctor said, hey, we found this on your prostate, so speck there, and it's cancerous. You have prostate cancer. My dad says something along the lines of he believes in a God that heals. My mom started crying. The doctor says, hey, you should take this seriously. And my father says, I am taking this seriously, but I believe that God is a supernatural healer over my body. And he looks at my wife. He says, I'm the same today uh, as I was yesterday, and I'll be the same tomorrow. He didn't look at himself as dead already. Very often when we hear a word like that over our situations, we look at that person as gone, but that there's a God, and my father's healed today. He's cancer-free. He, de- <laughs> he, was, uh, he was just on a, uh, before releasing his book called God's Healing Secrets, and we believe that that was not coincidental that it happened that way. And he went on his mission trip and he declared in front of the whole audience of the church, there's about a thousand people, he said, today I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm healed in Jesus' name. By the stripes that wounded Jesus, we are healed and made whole. And he decided to include the God factor in his situation. But I want to focus on two, two aspects here. How, how, how does it look like when we operate in fear? For those note takers, the first one is fear over-exaggerates and spreads rumors, false rumors. It makes something look so much bigger than it might actually be. Let me take a look, take this Bible. Let's say, let's say this is an object. It just covers the palms of my two hands, right? But if I just focus it, that's all I'm talking about. If I focus it and put it in front of me, I can't see you guys, right? I can't see the beautiful creation. Can I? I'm going to be really long here if I don't have a... Some uh, report here. I can't, right? Uh, but when I lay it down and put it in, in context, I can see the beautiful picture that's in front of me. The same with our, our issues, our problems. God never left, but we're just focusing on the wrong things sometimes. Focus on God. Amen? When we put it in context, we see how small it is compared to how big our God is. Moses, I mean, he felt he didn't let, that like he didn't measure up. And 
I mean, good news for you. You don't measure up. Welcome to Word of Life Assembly. God measures up for you, right? Uh, and Moses, he was a stutterer. He was called by God. First of all, he, he murdered, you know, and he fled. But he was called by God in Exodus 3, verse 11, by a burning bush. And he says, hey, you're going to be going and making speeches. You're going to be going and bringing my people out of, of Israel. Very often, I, 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 I connect it with, you know, when you're walking in a crowd and someone waves at you and you think it's someone else but it's actually you, and you don't think it should be you? Like, oh, okay. Same thing with Moses. Who am I to go, he says in Exodus 3, verse 11. And Jesus, I mean, God, he gave him a little quick. I'll be with you. I'm your strength. That's in all of us. The power that rose Jesus from the dead resides in all of us. Habakkuk 3.19. It's a, this is a version that my mom gave me. I really believe it's powerful. It says, the Lord God is my strength my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. How does a light bulb give light? The light bulb. You plug it into the outlet, right? That's where the power is. The light bulb works, but if it's not connected to the source, it's not going to give light, right? Too many times I've seen myself included and my friends, my acquaintances, we walk through our lives and we never connect to the source that it's right there with us every single moment. And we don't want to live in that, that defeat, in that loss anymore because we, we have access to that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I want to propose to you that each one of us has a purpose and God is able to work through us. It's all for Him. We walk in this thing called the relationship, right? We say it's not religion, it's relationship. Same with this. We walk hand in hand. God knows our highest of highs, our lowest of lows. He loves us too much to leave us where we are today. That's how that phrase goes. And he's bigger than any obstacle. Point two that I'll make about walking in fear, sometimes we feel that our past is too dark for God's bright future for our lives. Maybe we think we're not qualified for something. Maybe we don't think we have the education. Maybe we think we've done something so bad that God can't use us. And very often we'll have people telling us those things because very often they're afraid that you're going to exceed and succeed and be victorious for Jesus. But I want to tell you today because of the cross that that's not true. Maybe you're here, you're a skeptic, but I want you to, to, to know that whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is that you're feeling right now because of the cross, there's a hope in a brighter future and that can start right now. Jacob, the story of Jacob and Joseph, we know Joseph, the coat of many colors, Joseph the dreamer of dreams, but I really like towards the end of his father's life, Genesis 48. It's a beautiful part where Joseph's father is going to, he's getting older. He's going to pass, and in the Israelite culture, the grandfather blessed the sons. And in, in, for example, in my case, my father will bless my sons and the families forward, on, for so on and so forth. My parents are waiting to have grandkids, honestly. Like my grandma since day one that we got married, but it doesn't work that way. I was Skyping my grandmother a few weeks ago, and uh, she says, what's new? She's always asking, what's new? I said, well, there's no kid. And she didn't hear that. She says, there's a kid? How many months? I'm like, no, there's no kid. <laughs> She's 80, 80, 84. Her name is Rose. Um, but so that's the, that's the culture. I would bring my sons uh, to be blessed by my father. And in Genesis 48, this happened. Jacob, he's going blind. He's laying in bed, and Joseph brings his two sons to him. His firstborn he named Manasseh, and secondborn he named Ephraim. Manasseh means causing to forget or forgetful, which he labeled as the first portion of his life. 
Very hard. We can all agree to that. He went through a lot of difficulties. He was even betrayed and lied about and caused a lot of harm to him, even though he was of pure heart. Ephraim meant was labeling his future that was happening, his present and his future after that, fruitful. I just sometimes try to imagine how that conversation went. Um, my name's David. It means beloved. So it's like, oh yeah, it's beloved. Manasseh, what does your name mean? Well, causing to forget. Why? Well, why did your dad name you that? Well, he, he was probably going through something. Didn't have a good day when he named me that one. Just uh, an Ephraim. Yeah, fruitful. So Manasseh firstborn representing the past. Ephraim secondborn representing fruit, fruit, fruitful future. So Joseph, he comes alongside to Jacob laying on the bed and brings Manasseh on, on Jacob's right and Ephraim on Jacob's left. The right hand signifying the larger portion of the blessing and the left hand signifying a smaller portion of the blessing. The younger serving the older, so on and so forth. And Jacob was going blind, but he could still see. He crossed his hands and placed a larger portion of the blessing on Ephraim and the smaller portion of the blessing on Manasseh, saying that your future in Jesus Christ is way bigger than any past that you've ever gone. Your future in Jesus Christ I name victorious and fruitful. Your past is left in the past. The chains have been broken because of the redemption of the cross. There's a picture of the cross right there. And that's the power of Jesus. And, and Joseph, he, 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 he saw what his father did, and he says, hey, hey, Manasseh is over here. Maybe he thought he wasn't seeing things right. Ephraim's over here. And Jacob says in, in um, verse 17, I know what I'm doing, my son. I know. And he continued to bless the future, and, and he blessed the, the smaller portion on the older son. That's going to say, God knows. You don't have to be like, but God, but this, you know, God knows it all. He knows the deepest of lows that we've ever gone through. He knows those thoughts that we've thought. He knows those, sometimes those highs that we've gone through as well. But he, he loves us just as we are, and he won't leave us there. And because he has a purpose, he wants to use you, your past does not denote or stop God's power to work through you. And we need to, we need to, we need to make that a decision in our life. Sometimes it begins verbally, but then it become, begins in a practical effort, and we're going to touch base on that here. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, you know, the walk by faith, not by sight, scripture that we quote a lot. I studied at uh, Evangel, and, you know, when I was younger, you know how we do it when we're younger. When we're kids, we have our whole life planned out, right? Um, I was going to go, after high school, go to the NBA. I will make my first three million, and then I was going to go to Bible school. I was going to donate a million dollars to Shining Light Ministries, and then by the time I was 26, I was going to have a wife. But it doesn't happen like that, right? As we get older, we're like, huh. I really did not have this figured out the way I thought it was. Sometimes when you get to college, the questions are all in the air. What, what is this? This is not, what am I, what's going on? And this is what came up over and over again in, in those years. And it comes up in our lives now, like whatever walk you're in. We say, you know, Dave, you don't have to have it all figured out. Walk by faith, not by sight. God's got it. You know that song by Carrie Underwood? Jesus, take the wheel, take it from my hands, right? I'm not a singer, but she, she let her hands go, but she kept her foot on the gas, I think. So if you, God, God, God can't be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path if you're not walking on something, if you're not walking in a general direction. Paul says, a man, uh, I walk with purpose in every step. A man can plan his way. God can alter that, but we've got to be in a mode where we're human doings. We're not human beings, right? We're not, not doing anything. We're not complacent. And so, this, this, this Greek word for faith is pistis. And I was talking to my friend 
this is 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that's not how it works. We're supposed to walk by faith, yes, not by sight, but when we look at the physical word of sight, we think closed eyes. But when we look at the Greek word for faith, pistis, it means trust and reliability. Walking in trust and reliability. In what? In our Christian context, it's walking in accordance to Scripture. That's what faith is. Caleb did not have it all figured out when he decided to be a man of faith. He, had no, he didn't even come to, the, to, to walk in the promise or the victory. He had nothing. He was a, a wanderer, but he was a man of faith because he knew that God was able to work through him to be able to complete that. So walking by faith does not exclude sight. It looks at your situation to God, through God's bifocal lens. When we talk about faith, sometimes we're, we're talking about what it can get us, but I want to propose to you that faith, when we talk about faith, it's not what it can get us, it's that journey that we walk along that decides whether we're walking in faith. Very often, this was myself as well when I was younger, I would say, think that this family, beautiful spouse, kids, business, they've got it figured out. They're great men and women of faith. I want to have faith like them, Right? But that's not how faith is measured. It's not measured metrically like that. But faith, I want to propose to you, is walking in accordance with the Scripture no matter what. If it comes to your area of finances, if it comes to the area of your marriage, if it comes to the area of your children, what in that situation does God's Word have to say about it? There's a lot of words and medias and different things telling you a certain way to live, but we have the GPS for life right here, the living Word of God. It's alive and relevant in our lives today. Amen? You guys remember Matthew 14, 22 to 31, when Peter walked on water? Jesus tells them to go across the way, and they bump into a storm. This is a great picture of walking by faith. Um, as we read there, they, in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. actually, the Bible says, the, the storms are erupting, and they see Jesus walking on the water, and they were terrified. They thought it was a ghost. And they, they asked, Lord, is that you? And Jesus goes, it is I. Not like that, but it is me. They didn't believe him. I could just picture Peter saying, oh, that's, that's not him. Hey, Jesus, if it's you, why don't you call me out on the water and I can walk right to you? You know? His big mouth, right? And Jesus says, okay, you come. Oh, jeez, Lord, my big mouth, why did I do that? And he's walking on water. He took his first step. What did Peter walk on? That which could swallow him up. When did he walk on that which could swallow him up? When he was focused on Jesus. When he kept his eyes on Jesus. What do we read in John? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. You can keep your eyes focused on Jesus in any situation. When did he fall? When he took his eyes off. He didn't fall because he looked just looked at his circumstances. He fell because that's the only thing he looked at. That's, that's what's important. God is in our situation, okay? So we have to look through the bifocal lens. We don't walk blindly. You know, you don't jump off something and say, hey, God, catch me or something. You know what I'm saying? There's a practical aspect to our walk in faith. And Peter, he kept his eyes fixed on Jesus. But how do we maintain that spirit of faith? So Peter walks out on the water, looks at Jesus, sees the big waves, sinks in. Jesus brings him up, it's okay, buddy, I got you, right? But how do we maintain that spirit of faith? Joshua 1.8, this is in the Old Testament. It says, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
faith, okay, we're, we're Pentecostals here, right? There's the Holy Spirit. There's things we can't explain. There's miraculous signs and wonders. But there's, looks like there's also a little bit of a, not a formula, but a how to stay close to God and you'll be all right. Here we re- read, it's read the Word, study the Word, practice the Word. Cristiano Ronaldo, he plays for Portugal, soccer. FIFA's coming up, by the way. Italy didn't make it, if you didn't know. And they're usually really good, but they didn't make it this time. <laughs> but uh, Serbia did, actually. Thank you for Serbia. That's where I'm from. But we're with Brazil. But Cristiano Ronaldo, a few years ago, Euro Cup. We have Copa de America here. I believe that we will win, right? We're men and women of faith over there in that regard, but we haven't won yet, so we've got to keep persevering. But Cristiano Ronaldo, Euro Cup. He was the number one athlete on the pitch, soccer, number one paid. He had everyone telling him he's the best. He comes into Euro for Portugal. He's not playing well. He hasn't scored a goal. He hasn't made a difference yet. And that's playing on his confidence. How do we keep the tank full? We got to read the word, study the word, practice the word. You go to the gym, muscles get bigger. You eat vegetables for one month, the next month you see the results. Christian Ronaldo played against Croatia, and he scored his first goal. That's another Balkan country that they beat. And I was watching the press conference after the game. His coach says, you know what? Now that Cristiano Ronaldo has scored his first goal, he's going to play better. He's going to be a better team player. And we're going to be be playing better as a team. And I thought to myself, as we apply the principles of the living Word of God in our lives, maybe at first, you know, it's a growing experience. We put off the old man, put on the new man, which is creating the image of God every single day. Maybe at first, the results... You know, it's slow. Maybe we're going in a season that will maybe will, will potentially catapult us to the next. But just like Christian Ronaldo, we got to keep kicking. We got to keep applying. This is what the Word of God says. What would Jesus do? This is what I'm going to do. And then that's how we keep the tank full as we daily apply it in our lives. Maybe you're in a marriage relationship where it's not going so so cozy. I know as a as a husband, now that I'm married, I'm talking from experience, I guess, huh? A little bit. That I can control the way I speak to my wife regardless of what's going on in our relationship. So as God calls me to, to lay down my life as he laid down for the church, that's what I know I'm in control in. Practice the word. Apply the word in that situation is what I want to say. But each decision we make should be in line with the word of God. A story before I finish was with my mother. This was seven years ago. Deborah is seven, the youngest. We have six kids. And my mother gave birth to Deborah, beautiful baby, dangerous girl, Smart, sweet, all that stuff all together, and we still spoil her. Um, but my mom had a congestive heart failure, and she filled up her lungs with water. You know, the heart was pumping slowly. They thought she had asthma. Her blood pressure was so high, she's hardly getting around the house. She couldn't do anything. She would sleep on the couch so that she wouldn't choke. She didn't know what was going on. We take Deborah, two-week-old baby, too. Get looked at by the family doctor, and the doctor says, beautiful baby, beautiful, but Liana, you need some help. And they rushed the ambulance to pick up my mom, and on the way to the ambulance, my mom had this battle. And the question that we have to ask ourselves today is, what are we sowing in our hearts? Whatever is in the heart, Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 24 says, will come out. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flow the springs of life. Whatever is in your heart in those moments is what's going to come out. Previously, before this, my mom, we were homeschooled. My mom had, and dad had us memorize 400 scripture verses by heart every month. 1 Corinthians 13, Psalm 91, Deuteronomy 28, healing scriptures, faith scriptures. We got a kick out of it. We got 30 bucks a month if we did it. 
And that was tax-free income. So we were living it. And the bonus was five bucks. So, but she, month after month, five kids at that time, she heard the Word of God going into her, into, into her heart. She heard it with her ears. And it was being sown. And I believe it directly saved her in this situation. She's in the ambulance. The, the, the nurse couldn't, couldn't do anything. Putting a mask, she can't breathe. She had this battle. And all of us have our battles that maybe we face and maybe we're going through right now. She had this battle, and she heard running like a tape in her head, the devil says, you selfish woman, you're going to die here. You should have at least gone to be with your children, to be with them la one last time before you, your life ends here on this earth. And she could have held on to that if that's all that she had in her heart. But she had an out-of-body experience, and she looked at her situation. She saw herself struggling. She saw the nurse not able to do anything. No answers. But then she looked a little closer, and her throat opened up. And like a gushing fountain of water, like a fireman's hose, just shooting straight to heaven, water. She looked a little closely in this fountain of water were the verses that we quoted to her. You will not die, but you will live and declare the works of the Lord. By, by the stripes of my son Jesus, you are healed and made whole. And she held on to that in that moment of her most dire circumstance because that was planted in her heart. If she didn't have that in her heart, my mom would not be alive today. It's the power of the living Word of God that is in our hearts. When we need it, it comes up. Maybe you're a father now and you haven't been doing Bible studies with your kids. Maybe you're a grandfather and your kids are grown up. Now is, now is, the attitude is always I can and it's never too late to start sowing into people in your children's lives, in the lives of your families. Your children are going to grow up. My children one day are going to grow up. The greatest thing I can leave them is the living word of God in their lives. They're going to get an education. They're going to buy this car and this house, but they're going to be left empty if they don't have the living word of God in their hearts and if it's not real to them. And that's what we want. That's our, that's our heart's prayers as parents. I'm not a parent yet, but getting a little ahead of myself there. But I want you to know, finally, that resurrection of something, resurrection comes after death. If you're not making room for the good that God has for you by letting go of what's passed behind you, you're never going to be able to walk in this victorious life. You, you, if you need something resurrected in your life, you've got to let your fears die. Ephesians 4, 20 to 24 talks about that on a daily basis. You see, when we surrender to God, God always gives us more than what it is that we're holding on to. Amen? So maybe you're at this, today, you're asking, you're, you're at this situation where you, you know what the answer is, but maybe you're holding on to, I don't know why our flesh does that, but sometimes we need to make a spiritual decision to say, hey, I'm going to rise above this and not let that hold back from what God has for me in this bright future. God wants to use all of us, but we have a daily decision that we can make, foundational decision, whether we're going to choose to feed faith or to feed fear. One is stronger than the other, but faith is stronger than the other. But I want you to know, John 14, 12, verse 12 to 13, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified. See, the words we speak, this is why it's so foundational, taking the time. We have time for what we, what we value, taking the word of God. The words we speak affect our thoughts. Our thoughts influence our emotions. Our emotions influence our choices. And our choices determine our habits. Our habits influence our character, which in turn becomes our destiny. It's a decision we make every day. We have access to it. We have the access to the, to the outlet, to the power. Let's tap into that. And let's decide today to, never, to not allow that which is past, that which is over in the eyes of Jesus, to still be relevant in our lives, holding us back from what he has for us. Did you guys receive something this morning? I know I did. God bless you guys. Pastor.